they're number one on my ballot. I know the season will play out, but where it sits right now, that's as good a team as I've seen. I'm thrilled to announce uh, what we will refer to as the North Stadium Expansion Project, a 350,000 square foot, $155 million project. It will be a state-of-the-art, best facility of its kind. I know because I've seen almost all of them, believe me, in the country. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. The following is courtesy of Husker Game Day on Twitter. In the last 11 games, NU is 7-4. and four. In the preceding 11, they are 1-10. That most certainly is progress, Redcasters. Always looking on the sunny side of life. There's Honky for you. Also with Mac. Yeah, what's up, Redcasters? Uh, let's rip the Band-Aid off of that scar that was the Ohio State game and see how much healing's been done because we got the Wildcats coming into town, and it's going to be a crazy week. And I'm also with Boomer. I just want to take this moment to remind our uh, Redcast listeners that our uh, game scoring predictions are for entertainment purposes only and in no way, shape, or form are meant to replace some wise financial planning with the financial advisor of your choosing. (laughs) Boomer, that is exactly right. We did not get those uh, score predictions correct. Honky, um, I'll just ask the question that uh, most Redcasters want to ask you and probably many have already. And uh, saying, why? Why does this continue to happen to us? Dear God. I mean, does it? do we have to suffer any longer? What do we do wrong as a fan base to continue to have to go through this long nightmare of disappointing results? Uh, it was a great day in Lincoln. We started with game day. Ohio State was in town. Uh, lots of uh, great images. The facilities are announced on Friday. I know you guys had some fun on Friday night with the basketball. We can talk about that as well. Uh, but once the game started, uh, it was ugly almost immediately. And uh, most people just want to know, you know, why does it uh, continue to, to look like this at times? And I, maybe I'll answer my own question, Honk, in the sense that, as we heard from Scott Frost there, Ohio State is really good. Maybe absolutely elite this year felt like in some ways we kind of bring that upon our the performance on ourselves in the sense and bear with me here in the sense of like last year we kind of could sneak up to Ohio State we were, hadn't won they had just lost Purdue they're kind of distracted uh, they're at home last Saturday night even though Nebraska is not Nebraska game day was here the night game on ABC Ohio State brought their A game. They came out with intentions to look the part of a national championship contender, and that's exactly what they they showed against us on Saturday night. Honky, you want to start off? Yeah. Well, I think the weekend was a great weekend up until the start of that game. From having game day here, announcing a $155 million facility, 350,000 square feet, the largest of its kind in the country, there's a lot of feel-good things that came out of the weekend, okay? And then just having game day here that morning, having Gabrielle Union and, and Dwayne Wade, you know, representing the, the school that way and wearing Scott Gaylord's, you know, jersey. I, I, there's a lot of feel-good moments that came out of it. The game itself, look, I think every one of us thought that we were past that point in Game 17 of the Frost era of getting beat like that. We could take a, you know, a loss, but that was a loss that we weren't expecting. But on top of that, and I'll look directly at myself here, I was not expecting that team to be that good that we played. We've taken a lot of beatings from a lot of teams over the last eight years in the Big Ten. That's by far the best Big Ten team I've seen Nebraska play. And that's not an excuse for it, but it's also an excuse for it. That is, I don't think that we particularly played bad. That team was something special. And I think we're going to talk about this in a little bit. That's a team that... We should aspire to be like. And I think that Husker fans can look at that team and we get to play them and we need to look at it that way. We get to play them the next two seasons and hopefully even more than that in championship games. And as crazy as that sounds, that's the benchmark that Nebraska needs to play against and and needs to look at. If we want to get to an elite level, it's what we just saw. Mac, you want to add on to that at all? I mean, obviously the game was not what we had hoped for, but can you see the light at the end of the tunnel just like Conkey? Obviously, there's progress that this team's made. You know, everybody knew what it was going to take 
to be in the game. You know, no turnovers, well-executed ball, you know, forced them into some things that they were maybe uncomfortable doing. And we did none of those things. And we did those. And they efficiently and, and surgically just sort of took us apart. And it it's funny, even with the turnovers and everything like that, you could take those away. I don't know how much that changes the game. I mean, we talked about it before we started recording, but that was like watching a soap scrimmage. That was the JV versus the varsity, and you can see the talent on the JV team. You can see where they're going. You know, they've got some guys there that can be players in a couple years, but man, those guys just came out, and they just handled business. I mean, from every facet of the game. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it was a bummer because... Like you said, Honk, the whole weekend was so much fun. The energy was great down there. The facility announcement. You you kind of like to reward these fans, you know, who go out at 2 a.m. The, the night before to stay up for game day. You kind of like to reward them with a better effort. It, it just was what it was. Ohio State's a very focused, a very talented, and it looks like, you know, possibly one of the top four teams in the, in the country this year. And we are not. And uh, that's not a surprise to anybody. So – you got to get over this one quick. It's like it's like Coach Frost said. He's like, you need to you need to put this to bed quickly. I, I didn't call or talk to anybody on the Redcast for uh, this is it. This is the first time I've talked to you guys since the game. So <laughs> good seeing you, Mac. How y'all doing? <laughs> hey, Boomer. Uh, you and Hockey did go out and enjoy some Friday night activities uh, beforehand with uh, the basketball and everything else. Uh, your weekend experiences? Like the others had said, it was a great weekend for sports up until the football game started. But, uh, you know, we got to see Honky's, you know, pictures of the announcement and everyone's seen the, you know, early illustrations of the facilities, I think are great as long as they leave room for that jumbo steam statue. We're all excited about that. <laughs> you know, it'll transform that whole area north of the stadium and kind of tie all those buildings together. It's going to look great. Uh, yeah, the basketball scrimmage was fun. You know, we'll probably have some time to talk about that maybe later. But, you know, it'll be... An adventure for basketball season, but it's still fun to see them just starting to come together and hopefully see what they can do there. So that was a great time. We got to meet a couple of fellow uh, Redcast listeners out there as part of our contest. I'm sure Honky will mention that as well. The atmosphere before the game, I actually went to it. We tailgated beforehand. You know, Even with the rain, people were still out having a good time. Fans were enjoying it. And, yeah, then the game started. And, you know, after that first drive, it everyone was concerned after that interception. And then Ohio State just kind of sliced through us. And I think everybody just kind of knew what was coming after that. And sure enough, that's what happened. And we didn't really perform much better against Ohio State than Cincinnati or, you know, Miami of Ohio did or Indiana, anyone like that. They're just that good that they can dismantle teams that aren't at their level and we're clearly not that yet Uh, i did want to give a shout out to the fan base though i thought we did a really great job of you know supporting this team even through bad the bad situation that game was people were there all the way until the fourth quarter when martinez went down on that fourth and goal you know didn't get in the end zone what was that about six minutes left in the game there were still quite a few people in that stadium it was very full people were cheering I mean they were cheering first downs they were cheering that drive so that was a good look for us I, you know I thought back you know a similar game to that would have been back in the Callahan years when Oklahoma State was just beating the crap out of Nebraska in that one game and it was whatever it was 28 to nothing 35 to nothing at halftime and that stadium emptied out at halftime there was nobody there but me i think you know come the third fourth quarter but this was this was different there was still a great crowd there people were still cheering and i think that was a good look for nebraska i thought the transition from that third to fourth quarter with the lights off and the the red you know glow and everyone's phones out was really cool with uh, the cornhusker song from the killigans playing i thought was a great image for what we could be doing to start of the fourth quarter it might be a great tradition i think all the listeners know we're huge fans of that song and what we could do with it but uh just a shame the game itself wasn't any better yeah it's uh well said there there boomer i mean i i know you guys probably haven't had to rewatch the tv the broadcast because it's, it's very painful but chris fowler did mention how many people were still in the stands uh after that fourth quarter transition and that Definitely made an impression on on TV. And David also made an impression on recruits. Yes. We already got Teddy Prochaska out of it, the top player from the 2021 class out of State of Nebraska. And we had several others that were in the crowd that were very impressed by something that we can differentiate ourselves from other schools with. And that's fan base. That's their supporting this team through thick and thin. Thin. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And now, Scarlet Colored Glasses. All right, guys, let's uh, put on our scarlet-colored glasses and look at the big-picture view of the program. I think it's a really good time to do that, considering what we just experienced over the weekend. And, Honky, I think you maybe want to 
have a conversation about progress and where we're at in the, the process, the Scott Frost process of bringing this program back to where we want it all to, to be. And um, I think there's this uh, perception, maybe it felt like because of all the offseason hype that we were already there. Uh, maybe the reality is clearly setting in here. We have a lot further to go, but it doesn't mean that we haven't made progress uh, yet. So let's uh, start there. Ohio State, if it showed anything, it showed that NU's not as far along in the process as we all had hoped, okay? But at the same time, and we've, we've said this multiple times, not all four and eight teams are, are the same, right? The last two years we had four and eight teams, but one was better than the other. There's been clearly progress. As I mentioned, the last 11 games, we've gone seven and four. We went one and 10 the prior 11. There is progress, but that game showed deficiencies for us. Mm. And I'm going to go kind of in a little abstract angle for a second, but we've talked about rivalries and we would talk about Iowa or Kansas State or whoever, and, and those teams never inspired us. And what I would say is Ohio State gives us a roadmap. I'm so excited we get to play them the next two years. And I know people are like, oh, give me a break. We're going to get killed again. I don't care. That is the level. The expectations that Nebraska fans have is to get to the level that Ohio State is at right now. Our expectations are not to get to the level of, I understand, Iowa and Wisconsin teams that we haven't been able to beat, but we're, our expectations as Husker fans is not to get to that level. Our expectations is to get to the level of the Ohio States, and the only way you get there is you play them. And we can get into this conversation from even a historical standpoint. I could talk about Bob Devaney coming here and, and shooting for Oklahoma. We talked about Colorado and Bill McCartney shooting for Nebraska when they were had no business shooting for those teams. Right now, we need to shoot for the Ohio States. And I know it looks like right now, it's a freeze frame, still picture of time. Right now, it doesn't look like we have any business looking at them, but that's the elite level. They just showed us what we need to get to if we want to be the program that we're, we all think we can be under Frost. We're not there now. We're progressing, and that's the kind of team that we need to play. You know, Honky, I think that's a really good frame of reference that Ohio State has been doing this for a long time. Boomer, if we want to look at this this process idea, a program that is now at that elite level that recently got there is Clemson, right? And how Dabo Sweeney took a middling Clemson program and has now got them to a, a national championship level program. And it, it what did not happen overnight for Dabo, right? He was hired essentially the same year that Pelini came on. Yeah, they played in a bowl game. Yeah, we beat him. Uh, he went 6-7 and seven one year. He got blown out multiple times uh, to the point where it was Clemsoning, right, to uh, build up expectations up and then getting blown out by Florida State or Miami or whoever it was. Uh, there was a bowl game against West Virginia. He just absolutely got torched on. That was like in year four or five. But ultimately... Um, because of the staff continuity and the recruiting and the culture that he brought in, he was able to get over the hump, right? And uh, if you want to take that long-term view of Scott Frost in Nebraska, that's probably what we need to be talking about. Um, we don't know when that's going to happen, but it, it, it is a process. That is a you know fair analysis of the whole thing. I've seen you know people you bring up Clemson as an example of a team that we can use to kind of model ourselves after, and it's certainly a possibility. You know, we've talked about it, and you know prior shows the importance of being able to recruit at that high level, and I think this Ohio State game is just another clear example of that. They're a traditionally you know top ten, if not top five, recruiting school, and that just this is just a game that just shows what that can do. That's a really great point, Boomer. Uh, Mac, maybe you can jump in here. I think I heard today uh, this, uh, like the 2017 Ohio State recruiting class was number two in the country, and you're seeing the fruits of that class in this team, whereas our, our same class, that would have been the Jebbia, Keyshawn, Tyjon Lindsay class, right? And, and that class has been decimated, right? So it, there's also development issues as well, right? I mean, you, you look at these elite programs uh, and, and it starts up front in the trenches on the offense and defensive lines. And we have a long way to go on that as well. Look at the potential draft picks versus the two teams. This next year going in the draft, we might have maybe two guys really considered, maybe a Lamar Jackson, maybe da Damian Daniels. I mean, am I missing somebody? Darian, yeah. Or, yeah, Darian. And yeah. just go ahead and look at Ohio State sure. and just start pointing at guys. And then you could go back, and they lost that same amount of guys the year before. And Frost had nobody drafted the year before. So you can't tell me that there's no – and nobody is telling me that there isn't a huge talent difference. And and some of that 
A lot of that is recruiting and we'll never recruit to the level of Ohio State. But the other component of that is, is your identity and your culture, which Ohio State, despite the new coach, this isn't an overhaul program. This is more of a Lincoln Riley slide in situation with Ryan Day versus what Frost came into after sure. Mike. Mike Riley left the cupboard basically bare. So even even those recruiting numbers that we cling to, that we tell that we you know we beat Wisconsin, we beat Iowa consistently over the years in the West, most of those players are gone that added to those rankings anyway. So I mean, we're kind of starting over at ground zero with that base, and we're gonna have to work towards it. Strength and conditioning, you know, it's these new facilities we're talking about building. It's putting yourself on an, on a level field with these guys to compete. We'll have to do it the Nebraska way, but man, the blinders are off for me. You know, like I was. Playing Pleasantly happy trying to say, well, I can envision a scenario where we could beat Ohio State. But all those scenarios now would have involved Ohio State completely imploding because that team was that team was just superior. Does that concern you, Mac, that you said we'll never be able to recruit at the level of Ohio State? Uh, You know, if that's one thing we've kind of noticed over the last few years, it's the same four or five teams making the postseason, and it's always those teams that are recruiting in this top level of talent. Uh, Does that concern you at all? Not entirely. I mean, it's, I, I understand where you're coming from with that. I mean, and I look at it back at our traditional sense with Nebraska. Recruiting is one way to quantify talent, right? Or one way to look at it and say, okay, you have this much talent. But, but the other end of that is who's getting drafted. And we have been so poor at getting players yeah. drafted. That's kind of the proof on the field to me. It's like, well, who cares what we're ranked? These guys aren't going to the pros. So either we're not developing or they're not very yeah. good or both. Whereas Ohio State continues to click them out. So I would look at it and like, no, we're probably never going to have 14 draft picks, but we need seven. You know, like if we, yeah. if we had seven and you place other guys around there and you've got a system that you understand and work with, and then you just get your, you know, your couple good leaders, your couple special players, that's all it takes to beat a college football team on any given Saturday. So a concern, no. But it's certainly, I mean, it's going to show until we have maybe four or five years under our belt. A couple things here with the with the recruiting. Number one is you got to do something with them. And we've had one of the worst track records over the course of the last five, six, seven years of having fairly highly ranked classes that have produced literally nothing. And some of this goes back to, I think, Dave, you mentioned it. You know, how many guys do we even have on the team from that class two years ago or three years right. ago, right? Mm-hmm. So it is a development thing on top of recruiting well. And as we just said, Prochaska, top, you know, recruit in Nebraska, top 100 guy, right? Those are the kind of guys that we're pulling away well, from the Iowas, the Wisconsins, and in some cases, some of these national teams. We're, we're on the track. It is just that's it's a process, and we're I'm as guilty as anything. We want this process to speed up. Right. And, and sometimes wanting it to speed up means I can see us winning games that maybe we're not quite there yet. But I'll also say we're not going to see another team that's even remotely close to what we just saw this last weekend. Well, you know, I've already seen a small trend with this staff already in that our top, let's say, offensive guys as that we've recruited have already made an impact on the field. Oh, Adrian yeah. Martinez is a top recruit that is producing like a top recruit. Mm-hmm. Wondell Robinson is a top recruit that's producing like a top recruit. So is Maurice Washington. And that's that's a, that's a change right in of itself because our, our like Tyjon Lindsay. Always a turd here. Uh, Tanner Lee, <laughs> always a turd. I mean, Harrison Beck, always a turd. Like, who are these, these yeah. superstar guys? All you know, four, Aaron, all four star guys. Aaron Green right? never did anything. Yeah. Leon, and like, it, you can go on and on with guys who never hit. What possibly could Frost have done different in the last 20 months that would have changed the outcome of that game? Free tattoos for Ohio State. <laughs> he, could, he could have recruited Justin Fields, I guess, uh, on, the, on the waiver just so they didn't get him. Um, that's a good question. I've had conversations w- with some people talking about the strength and conditioning, for example. And, you know, we hear so much about Zach Duvall. And then, like, oh, we then we can't even stack up at all. You know, it's all smoke and mirrors. It's just like anybody else, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you guys have seen the development of these players over the last 20 months, and they are bigger, faster, and stronger. They just necessarily aren't performing uh, always at the, at the level that we need them to perform at to beat Ohio State. Um, and he has brought in talented players. Mac just made the point that you have Adrian and Wandell and, and Maurice that are already playing at a, a higher level than we've seen other four-star recruits from other coaching staffs bring in. I suppose you could have potentially brought in more JUCO players or maybe if you had a scenario where you could have brought in a more experienced quarterback earlier, took a little more pressure off of Adrian, um, I suppose there might be a different outcome. But do I think that would have been enough to win the game? Not not the way Ohio State played last Saturday night. No, 
Yeah, I think we got one of the best efforts from Ohio State on top of it, too. They were ready to play on national TV at night and everything. We got their best shot. Look, I, I think this transition's a well, little bit— we never bit... made it hard on them. No. You know, that's the thing. I mean, it, it's funny because the knock coming in was, well, they haven't been tested. Well— Well, they still haven't. They now. have not been tested. Or that was an easy test for them. You know what I mean? And and make no mistake, Ohio State has improved a ton since last year. And, and that goes to the point about your, your question about our recruiting rankings. Chase Young was not Chase Young last year like he is this year. I mean, he is he has taken his game— to an entirely different yep. level. When we did that fullback trap, if it's, not, if it's not Chase Young, a defensive, we score. That was mm-hmm. an incredible play. Yep. I mean, and, and Diedrich Mills hit that hole hard with speed, and he got one arm on him, and he drug it down, and it was still a nice gain, but that should have been six points. And that yep. 95% of the teams in the Big Ten, that's, that's six points. Yep. I don't know if that's a proper conversion. Whatever. Well, a, tra- <laughs> a little bit of a transition from the process and progress talk. But it, it's it's in the same realm of it, and it goes to this realist and optimist thing. We've right. heard of this all off season. If, if you believed in the hype, then you're an optimist, and if you you know were negative against the hype, then you're a realist. And I sent out a tweet before the game ever happened, before Ohio State we even played him. I sent out a tweet saying it's possible to be a realist and an optimist at the same time. And I got some of the I knew right away. It's like I'm just expecting the feedback from people. Heck, no, you can't be, and all that. You can. In fact, the people that are are coaches. Bob Devaney was a realist and an optimist at the same moment. He came in here and said, crap, our facilities are terrible. I'm a realist. I had better facilities in Wyoming. I want to go back to Laramie. That's how bad this is. And yet he had the ability and the back vision. Back to Laramie. Yeah. But he, had, but he also took that realism of these are the things we need to fix. Coaches constantly have to be realist about their team and what they need to fix. And they also have to be optimist and they have to be able to look long term. When I look at what Frost is doing with process and progress, I look at his vision. His vision is Husker power and Oregon speed. And I will never differentiate from that and say that, that he's on the wrong path. He's on the right path. It just is taking time. And yet at the same time, you look at it and you go, my gosh, we've only been doing this for 20 months against teams yeah. that have been doing this for I mean, years. Let's not act like Wisconsin's going out and smoking Ohio State well, all the time or Iowa. And they've been, you know, yeah. I mean, I know Iowa had that one good game recently, but Frentz has been there forever. He's got no success well, against Ohio State. Let's talk. Michigan can't ever beat Ohio okay, State. Okay, so let's let's talk recruiting for a second. Husker Power. We're going out and getting guys like Corcoran and going out and getting Benhart and getting Natchmeyer and getting Prochaska. We're getting top guys from this 500-mile radius. Half of them, I can't <laughs> pronounce their name. <laughs> no kidding. Did you call him Nashmeyer? I don't know. Nash Hutmacher. We're professionals at this, folks. So, sorry, Nash. Name? We apologize. It's Nashmeyer. So my point is, it takes time. If you want to beat Iowa and Wisconsin in the trenches, if you want to, and you want to be that kind of physical team up front, you have to recruit those guys. We're recruiting them. We're beating those teams out for those guys. We're doing the right things when they get here. Okay. If we want to get Oregon speed, I think it's hard to argue over 20 months bringing in Wandell and bringing Washington in. We're doing that. Yeah. It just is taking some time and, and we're not quite there yet. And Ohio State couldn't have made that any more abundantly clear. Honky, you've highlighted some of the recruits that have hit for us, obviously, but uh, especially after that, that first class, guys like Woodyard, for example, or Williams have not had a big impact on that wide receiver core, which has been frustrating. And we haven't been able to get the ball to some of our other guys, like our tight ends. You've com- constantly yeah. talked about how we're not getting the ball to our, our tight ends. So there's some other elements where which it just feels like, you know, I mean, why is that, you know, not working out? And there there is some misses, I suppose, in the recruiting game as well, right? Sure. I you know, a guy like Betts next year, you know, again, a top one hundred kid it, it, from the state of Nebraska, he, that's who's a six three wide receiver, he will benefit us. And maybe yeah. a, a JUCO kind of guy that you mentioned too, Dave, maybe a JUCO receiver who's a big body guy can benefit us too. In the interim time, we don't have you know free agency to go out and grab a six three receiver. So this these are the moments where we need tight ends to step well, up, and we need the coaches to get those big bodied guys out there. Cade Warner did play at the end of last game, yeah, which was good to see. He's not a so, big body, not a fast. big. That's the thing, you know, with all the talk and all the recruiting, all the stuff they're doing good. The lack of either a receiver of size or just a, a guy fast. I mean, I keep hearing about all the speed, but we don't have anybody that's kind of a deep threat, take the top off guy. I mean, that has been a, a serious lack this year. It's just pushing the ball downfield short of our like itty bitty wide receivers. Bets coming I, in next year could be a humongous bonus. That's a guy that we don't have anybody like that on the team right now. 
Yeah, and it's just in general. We saw it against Illinois with having to throw into that Tampa 2 defense, get it over the, the linebackers in front of the safeties, and you end up getting some balls that are thrown a little high, and you've got five, ten guys going up for it. And we said a week ago, that's where you'd like to see that six, seven tight end making those catches. The same thing kind of was happening last week too. I mean, you'd love to see uh, Martinez is just – he's just a, a skosh high on some of these passes and some of the seam passes. And then that one interception he threw when he had a nice Wandel. pocket – yeah, yeah, the Wandell one, that one was freakish, right? The ball gets tipped up and the guy catches it on his rear end. But, I mean, Wandell had to go up and get that ball. But he had to go up and get it. Yep. But he also had a, the tackle. He, he couldn't, couldn't even follow through on that one. Couldn't step up so into it. Was it. Like, so, guys, look, look, I want to talk about that, Mac, because I think that's – a lot of people are you know talking about Martinez. I, I think he, you, you say it loud and clear, and Scott Frost will say it loud and clear. I mean, the criticism of Martinez, look – he threw three INTs, definitely not a perfect game by any, but he is, he's in a tough spot here. And there's an example where he throws an INT and he can't follow through because the line is getting pushed back on him. Yeah, we're putting an awful lot on him anyway, but when he is worried about where the snap is, worried about who's coming unblocked, worried about if his receiver's going to be in the right place, and yeah, that's too much to put on a quarterback. Let's talk about the offensive line play, because I know earlier in the year, you guys were talking about how there's certain things we can do to get better offensive line play. We've seen much better running production against Illinois, for example. But again, this week, I mean, it didn't seem like anything was working uh, on either the phase run or pass with that O-line. Is that just, I mean, again, Ohio State was really good, but how, how can we see improvement and progress with that offensive line over the next seven games? I think it starts a lot with putting them in the best positions to succeed. Getting under center and having the snaps. First off, every center snap that we've had under center have been, has been good. Our timing has been good. We haven't fumbled the ball. And, and while we kind of laugh about that. Every you, fullback trap but, has been phenomenal. But if you think about it, we weren't good under center a year ago. And we did it only a few times. We tried to do like QB sneaks. Mm. And we were lousy at it. We just weren't ready to do that. Well, we've been lousy all season out of the shotgun with timing. You know, balls, they're either going high or Martinez thinks they're going high when they aren't. And the point is the timing has been so off on every single shotgun play we've, we've darn near had this year that it's hard to do play action and be, be successful out of it. It's hard to do your fakes. And when we got under center, and Dave, you mentioned it a week ago, even that pitch play against Illinois with Diedrich Mills, that was under center. And that wasn't eye formation. It was just, you know, a single back. But we're that much stronger out of it. So to go back to your initial question about the offensive line, how do you improve it? Let's simplify things for them. Let's drive block teams. Let's take them on head up and not be on our heels in shotgun pockets where we're taking Chase Young on and expecting Farniak to one-on-one hold his ground against them. Let's push guys instead of the other way around. There are things that we can do to make this easier on them and let them do less. It's also worth noting, man, Dedrick Mills is getting better oh, by yeah. the game. He didn't put any on the turf. I mean, maybe he didn't have, have enough carries, but he is getting better week by week. He's he's showing patience. He's showing burst. He's looking up when he's running. And you're just not going to look that good this week, but I like the way he ran the ball. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he's, he's a guy that, you know, going forward, if that's something we can count on. And at this point, too, I feel like we've got to get Ramir Johnson in there a little bit. It's it's time to let some of those guys play. Every time Maurice gets hit, every time Maurice gets hit, I think he's Kenny Bell. He might as well wear number 80. <laughs> it's like he goes out on every play. We need to start getting some other bodies back there. But I really like where Dedrick Mills is going with this. Dave, I'm going to throw two quick mailbag questions into this because I think it applies to just the conversation in general. Let's do it. One of them came from Steve from our Go Big Redcast at Gmail account. Steve. And he asked about after Ohio State, how does Frost get this team to where it can be? Is it just through reps? Is it through tough love? Mac, I'll start with you. This is such a boring answer, but I mean, it's literally just doing what they're doing now. It's not showing any kind of signs of panic. It's not trying to go back to formula. They they know what works. It is reps. It's reps, and it's consistency, and it's day-by-day growth. I don't have a schedule. My schedules get better, and we are. We're, we're a lot better than we were week one. We're a lot better than we were last year at this time. But we're going to have to play well to, to win Saturday, Northwestern's good team we have to play well the next week so we got to keep improving and our kids have to understand that that that's the goal every day where we need to be we were all shown very very vividly this last weekend it's a long long ways away now 
we can get better significantly and enjoy a very good college football season, beat the likes out of an Iowa and Wisconsin while we're on our way to Ohio State. You don't have to be the top four yep. teams in the land to have a good college football season. That's what we need is to stack some nine, ten win seasons and let that build our recruiting, let that build our culture, let that build you know the team up so that when you sprinkle in your special guys, which make no mistake, that's what the difference is for Ohio State this year. They've got a exceptional corner, an exceptional defensive end. Dobbins is a very good running back too, but Fields came in now and he adds a whole new threat. So when you get all those pieces, now you're explosive. Now you're elite. That's where we need to situate ourselves so that when we get those guys in there, we can take advantage of that too. Dave, are, are we panicking yet? I mean, is, what do we need to do to get better? From a from a process and progress standpoint, Hockey, I think the best thing you can do is play another game, right? Mm-hmm. Let's get back out on the field there and and prove to ourselves that we're, we're not as bad as what we looked uh, last Saturday, which uh, you have the first opportunity against Northwestern homecoming this Saturday. It's a home game. Northwestern does not have a very good offense right now. Um, a defense that might pose some some challenges. we got to go out there and win that game. I, I, I would say that there's a huge opportunity here with these, I believe, four games over six weeks. We have two bye weeks coming up before we get to the Wisconsin and, and Iowa uh, games late in November. And we can do a lot of damage here and, and change the narrative of the entire season. Uh, we got two more weeks. We're going to sell out, do everything we can. We're going to get to a bye week. Then we got two more. Then we got another bye week. I think that'll give us a chance to lick our wounds, heal up a little bit physically and uh, recuperate a little bit mentally too and breaks up the rest of the season pretty well for us. So I would, as a coaching staff, put it in front of the players. You have tons of opportunity to uh, make this a very successful year despite what we just experienced on Saturday. So, Boomer, no tough love needed from from Frost? I don't know if tough love's the right word. Dave kind of hit on what I was going to hit on, too. Uh, This next week is critical. I mean, you can't let Ohio State beat you twice, as cliche as that is to say. Uh, You've got Hydrox and you coming into town here, and that's a team that's (laughs) given us, you know, for some reason they've played us very tricky. You know, they're a competitive team with us every year for inexplicable reasons. I don't know why. They always seem to figure, figure out they need to learn how to play football sometime when conference season rolls around. And they've kind of been a purple thorn in our side. So it's a team you can't take lightly. And if you want to show you're progressing this season, these are the games you have to win. Okay, you come off a bad loss. Yeah, Michigan got throttled by Wisconsin, you know, two weeks ago. They turn around, play Rutgers, and beat the crap out of them. And now Rutgers is looking for a head coach, okay? Perfect chance for Nebraska to do something similar, okay? We played poorly against Ohio State. Let's recognize that. Let's turn around and let's actually put together what could be maybe the first good game we've played all season. We haven't played a full game yet this season, anyone we've played against. It's, there's been flashes here and there, but I, I don't think any of us would ever sit down and say, this is the this is what we want to see out of this team this year. We haven't seen four quarters of that, so maybe there's an opportunity here. So that's kind of what we want to see. I think that's what you – if you're Frost, that's what you have to push at this point. Sure, and just like Frost pushed a year ago when he was 0-5 at this time, and now we're 3-2, and but when he was at 0-5, we did this in the offseason. We went through all of his post-game press conferences, game by game, and and you saw where he was so consistent with his message. He never panicked. The team kept getting better. He's not panicking right now. So my answer there is not to panic right now. It's not to just do tough love. I would do reps. I would rep it. I would be consistent. Frost is doing that and is just keep getting better. And I know that sounds too cliche for people sometimes, but it's just keep getting better. We've seen a lot of blowouts, you know, in these last five, six years. But as a nice refreshing blowout, it was nice to see the coach on the sidelines still coaching, not losing his mind, mm-hmm. still trying to keep his guys poised, patting him on the back, looking like he's involved, not screaming and running around like a maniac, not just putting on lip balm and no headset on and wondering what the next play was going to be called. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you said, in these, in these, in these kind of, uh, these games, you go back and you look for things that you can you can kind of build on. And Mike, you're right. One of the things that stood out to me, and you know, when you're watching the game live, it's always harder because the anticipation of what's going to happen is just, it clouds everything. But then when you go back and watch it, the crowd was crazy. That that last drive that we started to put together like in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. or maybe third quarter, was they were nuts. They were stupid about how happy they were for us to score. I didn't hear any booing. You know, you talk about media driven narratives. 
This media-driven narrative about people talking about pulling Adrian Martinez just baffles me. Nobody, nobody rationally I talk to says that kind of stupid stuff. It's like, oh, you know, let's put in our backup quarterback. He's shorter, he's slower, his arm isn't as good, and he hasn't played much. That should work better against Ohio's. At least give him a look. That'll let Adrian see what it looks like when he gets murdered behind the line of scrimmage, too, so he can learn how to get murdered better. I'm sorry. That's just not, yeah, that's right. not an answer. Yeah, the last game was not the game to do that. Yeah, you're vegetal. He's like, no, I'm cool. That's all right. <laughs> I've suggested doing that in other games if you had if you had the right you know scenario, the right time, where maybe you could sit him a, a drive against. And that uh, would be something against like even Frost should address in a, in a press conference and say, well, we're probably going to let Vedral start that series. You know, like don't do it on the fly. That looks so reactionary. We just does anyone remember Bo Davis? I mean, is, did that slip everybody? I well, remember five interceptions against Texas Tech. Well, yeah. does anyone remember Scott Frost and, and Frankie London in '97? And Frost didn't, Frost remembers Frost didn't that. love that, and that was something that Osborne even came out against UCF that that game and said prior to the game, "I'm going to do this," and it's still you know it's something I think that sticks in, in Frost's mind there. If only there had been a red cast back then to get that message out. We should have podcasted back then. Man, uploading would have taken a while. Dave, we can move on real quick, I guess, to to Northwestern. But I want to just kind of end this whole progress and process and realist and optimist thing with just talking expectations for a second. And I think we are smart enough, I hope, as adults. I know it's tough on on social media sometimes to say say that. But there is something about expectations. I think that you can maintain high expectations as a program and yet alter your expectations for the team. Okay, this team isn't going to win a national championship. There, we've said it, right? We've, we've adapted this team to the fact that the expectations can be lowered a bit from maybe some of the hype from the preseason. But the long-term expectations remain the same. Right. The mm-hmm. long-term expectations under Coach Frost remain at the level that we just saw a week ago. And I'm telling you, Ohio State and playing them is a gift. It's a gift because it tells you how far you have to get to get to that level. I have said for a while, we don't get to play Alabama. We don't get to play Clemson. We don't get to play Oklahoma. Well, we do in a few years. But those are the teams that have always been at that college football playoff level. We don't get to play them. So how would we do against mm. them? And you know, the, the realist would say we'd get killed and the optimist would say we'd win. And the reality is we don't know until you play them. Well, we know what we just saw. We just played one of them. In fact, we played the only one of them that's in this conference. Nobody else in this conference can do to us what Ohio State yeah. just did. And the good news is they're and on that, the other side of the conference. Well, it's it's a litmus test. Frost said that multiple times last week on College Game Day. It's a litmus test to see where we are, and we know where we are right now. Keep getting some victories in, get those bye weeks, get healthy and all that. And you know what? If we get to play those dudes again this year, and I, I know that sounds crazy right now. We're three and two. We just we're looking our wounds from that game. But if we get to play them again, good. And if we lose 42 to 21, it's progress if we played them again. I'll say it again. The Devaney in Oklahoma thing, the Bill McCartney at Colorado and Nebraska thing, circling a team that you honestly at the, at the time you have no business circling. Oklahoma and Nebraska were not rivals in 1962. They were rivals because it became something because Devaney said, we don't need to beat 95 teams. We need to beat Oklahoma. If we can beat Oklahoma, we can beat the other 95 teams. Right. Ohio State is the team that we need to get to that kind of level. Easier said than done. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm not trying to make it sound easy, Redcasters. I don't want it to be, oh, honky, just, well, yeah, it's obvious. Just become Ohio State and you'll win national titles. We get that. It's hard. But you have to play that. And and we played the best of Ohio State there. That was not Ohio State's worst game this year. They might lose a game they shouldn't. Who knows? Well, let's, I mean, let's let's give them some credit, too. Ohio State went on the road on a night game in that environment. And they didn't flinch. They didn't flinch a bit. They didn't flinch. They couldn't have cared less yep. what we announced, who was there, what recruits are there. <laughs> it was just like, well, we're planning on mowing you guys down. I hope yep. you're okay with that. And we're like, well, I guess we are. Listen, the score was bad. What you're saying about, you know, playing him again, you know, who wants that? Look, there's a, there's a few things that could have gone differently in that first part of the game. I'm not saying it changes the outcome. But it changes the entire tone of that game. And it, it turns it into maybe something a little more competitive and doesn't allow them to call their plays as freely as they could. The defense doesn't get just to pin it back and come at Adrian. It, that's how football goes. So if we played him again, I could foresee us playing them better and having a better outcome. But to consistently think you could beat that team, yeah. we're years away hey, from that. If we played them again and after two possessions, because we tweeted this out, if after two possessions they averaged the ball, their starting field position was the 45-yard line, and after a penalty and a turnover for us, our starting field position after two was like roughly like the 17-yard line. Shocking. So 
<laughs> so the point is, it took two possessions to sit there. If you just look at starting field position, you can just sit there and say, well, this is the trend of the game. So play them again, and if after the next time you play them after two possessions, if they're starting at their 30 and we're at our 20, progress. Everything's about progress right now, but set your expectations high. Don't change your expectations for the program, Redcasters, but if you had the expectations we were going to win the national title this year, or if the hype got you to that point, yeah, it's okay to change some you, of those expectations you know what, for the team specifically. I, I think about this with the team itself, the players. Like Once you see that and you're exposed to, I know you guys think you're working hard at day in and day out, and you very well may be. Mm-hmm. But did you see what this team just did? Did you see how they did it? They it, didn't, they executed at a high level. They came out, they were tuned in the entire game and they dismantled you. It's so, humbling. So whatever you thought you were doing was the absolute limit. You can clearly see what yep. a team that next level looks like. And that's important, you know, because we all talk a good game. We all talk like, well, you know, we got this championship mentality, but then you get mowed down by somebody who actually does it. It's, eye-opening and it was yeah. good for our guys to see nick, nick saban's first two seasons at michigan state he had to play tom osborne in 95 and 96 and he got mowed down both times but that's a guy that he took those lessons and you build from that and sometimes you got to play the best and sometimes you even got to get beat badly by the best to to yeah. know what it takes to play at that level Hell, we've been beat badly by worst teams. oh my god boomer you mentioned know, we got the- oklahoma state, state. I, w- I would rather take an ass whooping from ohio state than oklahoma state or kansas Barf. Barf. Oh, <laughs> we were there. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's good stuff, guys. Hopefully, uh, the Redcasters appreciate uh, Honky Mac really laying it out there. <laughs> You're welcome, folks. Hey, in our, <laughs> hey, Husker fans. I'm only two drinks in, Redcasters. Things are going to get loose. One last thing, man. <laughs> UNL, we, we have a slogan, in our grit, our glory. Nebraskans are about grit. We're not about giving up. We're hardworking. We're all those things, right? Terribly handsome. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. that's what Nebraskans pride ourselves on and not giving up. So fans, <laughs> there's no point in I've, – I've seen and read too many things where people are ready to jump ship and don't worry, choo-choo, chugga-chugga. You know, the, the bandwagon will always accept you back on later. But this is fine. Yeah. It is part of the process. It's painful. It was humbling. But I think this team's going to be better because of this game. All right. Good stuff, guys. All right, Honky, I saw what you did there. That's a sort of homecoming from you two. My favorite band I've seen them many, many times. I've actually uh, paid uh, Honky's ticket to come out and, and watch you two with me. And I thank you for that. Yes, it was a hell of a show. And uh, I have heard that song in, in person. Uh, and it is homecoming week. Northwestern is coming to Lincoln. It is homecoming weekend and all the festivities that that includes. And hopefully that is a victory. Uh, let's let's dive into the Northwestern breakdown a little bit here. And I, I want to start with something. We, we definitely had the scarlet-colored glasses on in that last segment. Uh, at least Honky did in talking about how we need to be you know, seeing progress over the long haul. But let's talk about what we need to do in the short term. And one thing that we need to improve on immediately, Boomer, is uh, playing more mistake-free football. Right, The turnovers just have to stop. And even penalties, all the mental mistakes. And Northwestern, in many ways, is the antithesis of Ohio State. Ohio State, highly uh, ranked recruits. They are a high-profile program. And Northwestern is the opposite. They recruit two- and three-star guys, build them up. And Pat Fitzgerald has had great success with that this year. Not so much right now. Only one victory. Uh, offense is struggling uh, what do you see uh, how Nebraska and Northwest, Northwestern match up? That's a good point with uh, with Northwestern is they are kind of that team that they may not do many things well, but they don't usually make a whole lot of mistakes. They generally play penalty-free football, which is something we've rarely done this season. Uh, their special teams have been good, which ours, for a variety of reasons, have not. I mean, for goodness sakes, we opened this game with a penalty in special teams. We had a offsides on a kickoff for goodness sakes our one kickoff we made during the game we had like three or four guys offsides on it you know we've just had mistake after mistake on that northwestern's the type of team that will capitalize on those sorts of things i'm a student of what's happened around here and seen all the close games that have happened between northwestern and nebraska uh, including last year 
um, Hail Marys and overtime games. And, you know, they're just such a well-coached team year in and year out. They're, they're disciplined. They're smart. They're not going to beat themselves. Those type of teams end up in a lot of close games. So if we're in one, we need our guys to respond well. You know, realistically, it's one of the only things that, if you're looking at stats, should theoretically keep them in this game. I mean, their offense has been terrible so far this season. They've basically had none. But they've been able to play a couple teams close. You know, Wisconsin this last week, they gave them some trouble. And, again, they've given us trouble in the past. And that would be the kind of thing that if we failed to, again, protect the football and if we're constantly making simple mistakes on field position, we've harped on that when it comes to special teams. Penalties gives teams like them a chance to to stay in games and win games like that, and we they've shown they can do that. I mean, you know, they've started slow this year. I think last year they started. Didn't they start zero and four? Did they win a conference a non conference game last year? I don't think they did. And then somehow they turned it around and won the freaking West last year. It's they're they're a strange team like that that they're able to turn it on when conference play comes around, and they kind of seem to be doing that to a degree this year. So you can't take them lightly, even if they're not. Per- performing particularly well they're they're a challenge yeah honky they've always been a challenge for us since we've entered the big 10 it seems like uh we've had more success in evanston than we have in lincoln versus them for some odd reason do you feel like we have an opportunity here uh from a progress standpoint again i mean if we Mm -hmm. just simply play a clean football game you have to like our chances a lot better than what we just experienced last saturday yeah i mean this is a totally different team from ohio state right If, if we're talking about five stars and four stars of recruiting, that's not what we're going to face this week. And yet there is no team in the country that can dictate the style of a game better than Northwestern. They can make anybody play ugly. And there's no team in the country that can hurt you more with penalties and turnovers and mistakes that you make than Northwestern. They make a living off of it. They just lost the game you know, to Wisconsin, a team that had destroyed all three of their first games, including Michigan. And they just, what was it, like 24 to 15 or something like that? And two of the touchdowns that Wisconsin scored were on defense. <laughs> you know, so I mean, right? They, it was a total ugly, old school kind of Big Ten game. And guess what? I'm actually excited to see if Nebraska can win a game where maybe we have to play some of that. And a little foreshadowing to it was some of the I formation stuff we just did last week with some of the getting under center. I think we'll, we'll see more of that stuff going forward. I want that to be a piece of what we're doing. I think it's part of what Nebraska's been built on and the fabric of what we are uh, that we need to get back to a little bit. And I think we got the right personnel to do it. So we'll pick our spots, but certainly look pretty good for the first time out. You know what? Maybe we have to win a game in a good old-fashioned Big Ten style. You know, a little different from Husker Power and Oregon Speed. But how about just Husker Power next week? Mm. How about we just Husker Power a team that we have out-recruited and let's do it in a way where we're not making the mistakes. That's yeah. the big thing right now. No matter who the opponent is, we have to stop making the mistakes. Boomer laid it out perfectly. I'm going to be watching the first two drives of starting field position. That alone. Mm. I'm going to be, just like I did last week, I'm going to watch that again. Where do we start our possessions compared to Northwestern? Dave, we're going to know a lot two possessions in. Yeah, absolutely. Mac, you have to be looking at the offense to have a a, a better start than uh, last weekend. You see a, a balanced attack here versus Northwestern. You feel like the Hunkies point, or we're going to try to run it right down their throats? Do you feel like maybe we can try to uh, throw it over the top? As we called it, the antithesis. All those excuses we made for the team against Ohio State are all out the window for Northwestern. There's there's no talent disparity. We, we need to, it's going to be about execution and playing your brand of football. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with that being said, there's a couple things that I would like to see us be doing. You know, we do have matchup advantages with against a, a team like Northwestern, where you do have like a Maurice Washington or a Juan Delon linebacker, mm-hmm. and we could exploit stuff like that. I, I'm not totally up to date on what their defensive line looks like, but it'd be nice to be able to go at them. But what I'd like to see out of this game a short of a clean game is maybe to start exploiting some of those those matchup issues that we're supposed to have and hurt a team like that where you can't just stay in that four three and and mm-hmm. you know put those slow linebackers on our on our running backs. You know, like that would be that's the thing I've kind of I feel like we've lacked all year as far as offense is like we don't seem to utilize the math the the mismatches that we have inherently in this offense. And well, I'd like to see that going forward. Well talking mismatches there, Mac I think we can all agree that do we have a Jonathan Taylor on this team right now? 
Negative. Okay, so we don't have Jonathan Taylor. Well, Northwestern and that defense made Jonathan Taylor look very human last week. Anybody that watched that game, Jonathan Taylor did not have the the games that he was having the first three. That is a very physical defense. I didn't say very talented. I said very physical. And they were very physical. They made the game ugly. As far as what they did schematically, the one thing that I saw a lot of and, and actually had a lot of success against Wisconsin was these delayed safety blitzes. So we need to be prepared for that. We need to be able to take advantage of that. And also, I really think we just need to take it to them. Seeing us get under center, seeing us get in the I formation, it really excites me, guys, because I think it's... <laughs> what? Look, it is that Husker power kind of side of it. And if you notice, there are a couple times that we were under eye, under the eye against Ohio State, and we still tried to do it with a little bit of tempo to it. My thing is we need, we need to win a physical Big Ten game. We need to. We kind of halfway did it a, a year ago against Michigan State, but the weather was so crappy and their offense was so bad, it was hard to really see it. We need to win a, a, a game in an uncomfortable kind of way, and this is a perfect game to do it. Play clean football, be physical, at the point of attack, win the, the line of scrimmage. That's what this game yeah. is about to me, Dave. We've, we've really... You know, run the gamut of how to win and lose a game in, in a season stretch here. I'm, I'm interested how this one will go. Like, could we possibly walk away from a game? Or is it going to be a slugfest? Are we going to keep running at them? Like, how's, how's it going to present itself? I, I don't see us running away from anything from Northwestern. Northwestern is a type of team that they get so ugly. I don't know how to say it. They, they can lose, <laughs> they can lose to anybody 17 to th- the three boomer you know? uh hockey wants to to win in an uncomfortable way is that kind of like <laughs> winning in the backseat of volkswagen beetle <laughs> i was just gonna say that dave good one <laughs> nice reference there dave uh thank you yeah this is a game you, you want to win and we've had a couple of uncomfortable wins already god we had one against illinois i don't I don't really want to see another uncomfortable win at this point. This is a this is a game you need to to go out and show, like I'd said, that you can play what uh, the best you can for a complete game. We haven't seen that yet this season. Coming off of these guys, you have Minnesota. I mean, we like to make fun of you know Mister you know Business Casual there and PJ Fleck, but they're undefeated in four and zero, and they've got Illinois this week, so they theoretically could be undefeated when we go up there. So. I want to see us get back on track ahead of time for what you know sets up to be a huge game in Minneapolis. So this is a great opportunity for it. Let's go out and actually win playing the kind of football we want to play, whatever that happens to be. All right. Well, we know Northwestern's offense is not very good. At least that's what we're seeing statistically. Uh, I don't know who's going to be under center for the Wildcats, either Hunter Johnson or Aiden Smith. Sounds like both of those guys could be characters like the boyfriends in Sex and the City or something. But uh, <laughs> uh, Boomer, uh, very millennial names. <laughs> Boomer, do you want to run down the stats in this Northwestern offense and how abysmal it is? Yeah, they're they're terrible, Dave. Uh, <laughs> just looking at the stats, I mean, they are they're 126th in total offense. In the FBS level, I mean that puts them behind South Alabama in, in general. I mean they, if you want to compare with any team we played this year, South Alabama is the closest, and that's a team that's gone one and four. Strange enough, like Northwestern's gone one and three so far this season. Uh, yeah, they're they're not good. They've got a they're 126th in pass completion percentage. They're 125th in passing TDs average one a game. They are 130th in the country in yards per play. They're averaging 3.94 yards a play. Uh, that's not very good. So they, they are struggling mightily on offense, and they haven't seemed to find any answers for that yet so far this year. You know, what would be like an early indicator in this game if we're having success or not? What would be the things that you'd be looking for? Starting field position, we've, we've hit on that so many times this season. If we are winning that battle and we're not turning the ball over, they're going to be hard-pressed to put up points. I think our defense is capable enough to to keep them from scoring a huge amount of points. They, they haven't churned out anything impressively. Uh, you know, the most points they've scored this year was 30, and that was on UNLV. Uh, they've struggled against Wisconsin and Michigan State. Granted, those are good defenses. Stanford, they managed seven points. Uh, they've just done nothing against Power 5 opponents this year, so... As long as you're not giving them easy opportunities to to score and you know score on field goals, just whatever it takes, that that's the key to this game. You, you've got to start well, unlike we did against Ohio State, and this should, on paper, be pretty winnable. 
I've watched Northwestern play two games. I watched them play Wisconsin. I watched them play Stanford. It is two of the absolute ugliest games I've ever seen. I, I don't know how to explain it other than that. And yet, they were never out of either of those two games. It's just a there's a style of play they play, and they they seem to to suck the opponent into that style, and it's hard to pull away from. My God, I could watch that Wisconsin, or I could watch Stanford and go, man, they were they're three or four touchdowns better than Northwestern. Yeah, it was twenty four to three versus Wisconsin at one point, um, mm-hmm. but you know they they chipped away at that. If they hadn't missed a, a two point conversion, it, it would have been within a, a one touchdown score there at the end. Um, so yeah, I hear what you're saying, and that's the fate that we want to avoid because we all know what that is like for Nebraska to be coming down in a nail-biter situation versus Northwestern because they seem to mm-hmm. be able to somehow make the breaks themselves. And um, last year was a great example of that, where we should have won that game, we didn't put it away, and uh, they get us into overtime. And we just got to avoid that this year. And uh, we're going to see how that plays out. Yeah, I think Fitzgerald, it's interesting with the, the two-point conversion thing. I'm not sure what the heck went through his head last week or if they had an injury with their kicker, but he went all, all Mark Helfrich on us or on, on Wisconsin and started going for two at, at, at a point where there was no need to. And they missed two two-point conversions in a row and they ended up losing by nine where, you know, they, if they would have just kicked extra points, they would have been down by seven. And if they could conceivably get the ball back, you know, have a have a chance to tie. Well, at the end, they were down by nine. They were still two possessions away. But hashtag I don't care. <laughs> so email me at hashtag yeah. I don't care. Email me at hashtag that won't work. I I think you know offensively get back in that I formation. Honestly, I think <laughs> honestly I think it worked. Does hockey like the I formation, Mac? I'm not for certain, but I mean <laughs> it worked outstanding. The high snaps have been killing. Take us. the face masks off the helmets. <laughs> that's the first thing that's got to go. <laughs> Hey, I'm not above that. Yeah. And the forward pass. Yes. Who's ever heard of such a thing? The high snaps have been killing us. We're better under center. You know, we, we've had a number of overthrows and high throws. We've got to get find ways to get some of those, I think, tight ends involved. The bigger cut tight ends. Cut hair. Yep. Don't forget that. Definitely cut, yeah, cut their hair there. And, and defensively, we haven't talked a lot about Nebraska's defense. There are a couple things that I want to see us show something a little more this week than we did a week ago. One of them was against Ohio State. There was a rollout play on third and short, and Lamar was playing way off. I don't get it. He's been playing so well this year. We talked about how much better we, we've seen out of him, and that he is one of your four-star top 100 yep. players, and, and he was playing five, six, seven yards off of an easy one. This is a week. Get up in that guy's face, whoever that, that Northwestern receiver is. You don't dare give him five yards cushion on a, on a third down and, and short. You know. And, and one other thing is, you know, when we talk about recruiting and getting four stars and all those kind of things, Caleb Tanner had a great sack last week, an athletic looking play against, against Ohio State. Let's get more pressure out of guys like that. That's the development of young guys in this system. Get, you know, this is the next step. Let's go out there and let's play a physical brand of ball against yeah. a team that we should on paper be able to beat. Yeah. A good a good game for us would look like getting Northwestern out of their comfort zone, making them yes. making them throw. Like it just seems like Absolutely. it's been a long time since we forced a team out of their game plan. You know, we just allow them to hang around, we allow them to do what they're comfortable. Northwestern is the patience of a clam, man. They don't <laughs> care. They're just gonna do what they do. The score does not impact them. But it would be nice to have a little bit of a buffer in there and and really pull away from these guys. But I'm not I'm not expecting that, but that's what a good game would look like. Boomer, maybe you could look that up really quick. Uh, just in the last couple of years, could you give a, a couple examples of where Northwestern did really you know lose by more than a couple of touchdowns? Uh, to Hockey's point, they always seem to play things close, and obviously last year that played all the way out into a big uh, West uh, Division championship. But there has to be a few examples where they just didn't hang with Ohio State or something, right? I'll I'll pull a few together here if you just give me a few minutes. So. So we have a lot of scenarios and see how this plays out, but it's an opportunity for Nebraska to turn the page from Ohio State and get some good vibes back into that that stadium, and uh, I, I think it's it's totally doable. Okay, well, actually, Dave, just kind of quick look at Northwestern for the last couple seasons. Their biggest you know blowouts have been against either quality opponents, like uh, last year they they ultimately got pummeled by Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship, although that was pretty close for at least half the game from what I recall. 
their other big loss that season, oddly enough, was to Duke. Was probably their biggest loss that season. Um, they lost what was that score? Twenty-one to seven. So that was their uh, other biggest loss. Yeah. And so boomer. That, boomer. Even score. yeah. Even that's just not that. Yeah, it's not a great. Of a yeah, loss. I mean, otherwise they lost to Akron by five, and they lost to Michigan by three, and Notre Dame by ten. And Notre Dame was a great team last year. Uh, the year before that, again, again, their biggest blowout that year was to Penn State, who was number four at the time, and then they got throttled by Duke again that year, forty-one to seventeen. And then uh, wow. the year before that, it was again every game was really close. Yeah, we beat them twenty-four to thirteen, and then lost to Wisconsin twenty-one to seven, and Minnesota twenty-nine to twelve. I mean, those are they, they they tend not to get just throttled like. Certain teams have tended to do in certain games. We won't name names, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, they lose games, but they lose them close and ugly. So it's kind of, it's Northwestern's modus operandi lately. Well, Boomer, you said it last year. I mean, they lost by five to Akron and three to Michigan. Yeah, they're, they're, a, they're a team that just doesn't make sense when you look at them. I, I don't understand them. Yeah, they should never lose to Akron. Yeah. <laughs> you know, number, number one, don't lose to Akron. That's a terrible <clears throat> loss. Yes, it but, is. Yeah, but then they go and they play Michigan, who you know obviously did what they did to us a year ago, and and they lose by five. Yeah, it's and they and they beat Michigan State and Wisconsin and Iowa, and they won the freaking West last year. It just it doesn't make any sense. So, yep. All right, guys. Well, that's uh, good things to know as we go into our prediction segment, right? And uh, game predictions. Uh, so I want to hear your take on uh, Nebraska Northwestern, and if there's anything else you're looking forward to in that game across the Big Ten or the country. Let's uh, let's start with hockey this week. Yeah, I can't think of a more appropriate kind of score for a, a real Big Ten contest. We've got to win a Big Ten style of game. We've got to be physical. We have to get in the trenches. We have to push these guys around. We have to play them in an ugly style at their at their pace. And so I'm taking Nebraska, shocking, and we're going to win that game 3-2. to two. Uh, hockey's always really takes a lot of pride in getting this score exactly right (laughs) but i really appreciate about (laughs) the skills in that uh mac yeah i mean if if i'm just keeping in in the same vein of the the tradition of this game being tight but also my rose-colored glasses allowing me to add a few extra husker touchdowns I'm going to go with like a 28 to 10 score Huskers with no turnovers. Bad Huskers. <laughs> that almost worked for you last week, Mac. We're not going to let close. you do it again. It close. All right, Boomer. This is a week where I'm going to let stats actually kind of take control of this game. I Northwestern's just not very good on offense. And at some point, the law of averages bounces back slightly in our favor on turnovers. So I think we win this one reasonably handily for the way this series goes. I'm going to say Nebraska 31, Northwestern, well, let's go 16. That's uh, good work there, Boomer. You're looking at the uh, spread, which is, you know, 7, 7.5, and, and the over-under is 50. So that's exactly what I was looking at, and uh, I'll probably say something in the next one. Me too. 31-21 uh, Nebraska, right? So we maybe win by 10. Um, I think there's some uh, some uh, important, uh, at least one important Big Ten game on the slate, guys. Right? I think the morning game is Michigan Iowa. Uh, that'll be interesting to see how either of those teams really come out on that one. It's a opportunity for Iowa to to kind of really uh, solidify themselves as a Big Ten West contender, or, or Michigan to to rebound and um, put their um, their loss of Wisconsin behind them. So that'll be an important one. Uh, all right, guys, uh, let's get into our parting shots. Uh, let's start with Mac. The Northwestern week is here, and I've actually got some family coming up. Um, my sister, Maureen, who was nice enough to host us for the uh, Illinois game, uh, she's coming down with her youngest son, uh, who's going to his first Husker football game ever. So I'm actually going to go with him. We're going to try to get down there early and kind of expose the young lad to what it is to – he's grown up in Illinois his whole life, so he has no college football game day experience so he's this was like a christmas present for him from her it was pretty cool so i was i was lucky enough that they're they're inviting me to go along so it'll be a it'll be a great weekend i told her you know the northwestern game is always just a crazy one it's a ton of fun so i'm looking forward to that it'll be a it'll be a great weekend i hope the weather holds off just a little agreed all right boomer well, I'd just like to say, uh, if any of you do have uh, comments about this uh, week's show or anything you want to 
shoot to us predicting uh, this game this week, just go ahead and send it to us via email at hashtag GoBigRedCast at Google. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, all right. That'll be easy to find. Um, Honky, what do you got? Shockingly, a couple things. Uh, One of them is... Uh, thank you to all the Redcasters. We are over a well, actually, Dave, we we hit a hundred in the pick'em, and then correct, we we weren't expecting that. Our goal was fifty, and if I'm understanding right, I think we hit our limit. Right, we couldn't go yes. above a hundred. Yeah, we were locked in at a hundred. Yeah, so we actually had people emailing and and social mediaing us and hashtagging or whatever the devil you know Fitzgerald would say, and they were wanting to play and they couldn't. We hit a hundred, so that is just wow. I'm just shocked. I think we had like. I, I'm impressed by the procrastination of the <laughs> Redcasters. Four weeks. <laughs> we had. We had. Four, I think four weeks to throw away. It's part of the process here, Mac. I yeah. like it. We had like 41 people <laughs> a year ago play, and so to be at 100 and be maxed out—that's just outstanding. Great job. Next up to that, uh, I want to thank uh, Pamela Am and Frosty Balloons too that joined us for the opening night at uh, for the basketball on Friday night. We went to that was a so they won the contest. Is that right, Honky? <clears throat> they won it. The yeah, like... there's a lot of work on basketball. We'll talk about that in future shows. But we we were able to go to Sands to, Mac. Yeah, we went to <laughs> Berries and and had some great uh, barbecue at Plowboys, which is inside uh, uh, Berries now. So it was a great night. We had we had a ton of fun there. I want to give two other shout-outs to uh, uh, Tom Chattel. I got to meet him in person. We interviewed him about a month and a half ago. Got to meet him at the... That's nice for Tom. It was really... <laughs> Actually, it was really cool. I, I went up and just said, hey, you know, Tom, you know, I'm I'm, I'm honky. I, we interviewed I'm you. I'm the guy. I'm the guy from like a month and a half ago. And he was like, oh, cool. He was super cool about... He, he had a ton of fun, you know, with the interview. And then another media member, I won't say who, but another media member that was sitting behind him was like, hey, I listened to you. And... and you guys are really good because he was, was like Derek. No, it wasn't good. Derek. Way to name drop here, honky. That's good. I like that. Yeah. It, it was just it was a fun you know time to to be at that press conference talking about the uh, the new facilities. And while I was at that press conference, the last point that I'll talk about is uh, Jeremy Brandt. He's a, a listener of ours. He came down from Minnesota. Uh, we have a place to stay, Boomer. If we want to go up there, you know, in a week, uh, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. But but Jeremy, it was great to meet you in person. My God, what a small role that his wife like is friends with like my the godmother of my son. It's just crazy how small <laughs> this Husker world is. But uh, it was great to meet you, Jeremy. It was great to be at that press conference and to see the, the future of Nebraska football. 155 million, 350,000 square feet. We know what the future of this program needs to look like. Hey, Boomer, I think too, I, I don't know how we're going to get this started or anything, but there should be a statue of uh, Ewald Jumbo. Well, darn straight. We've been working I mean, on this let's, for years. I, don't, I don't know. Who do we need to contact about this? It's gone too long. I'll have to send a few more emails on this. I mean, we've got the money. We're, we're obviously committing to it. It's it, it's just a small portion of $155 million. We can do this. So. Make one of those bronze things that guys always yeah. throw and induct there. And induct the Baron. We well, have yeah, we're, that, that's a separate thing. Yeah, but yeah, we'll send those emails too. But let's get started. We've got the space. We've got the money. We can build. We can do this. You know, we can rebuild. We need a jumbo. It's been statue. too long. And really, I mean, ever since we we let him go and he went to Indiana, we haven't really competed in the Big Ten ever since. So it's that must be the curse. So. <laughs> He's never had problems with turnovers. No, he never I, did. I, that's so. a stat I just made up for this part, but I'm I'm almost sure of it. All right, guys. <laughs> I think I could let you guys go forever, but I'm gonna try to to end the show here. Great stuff. Looking forward to a rebound and another happy Redcast next week. For now, let's call that a Go Big Redcast. Go Big Red. Beat them Wildcats. Beat Hydrox and you. Hydrox. Hydrox.